putting down roots. And we've been seeing that one of the main factors of putting down roots with Christ and Him putting down roots in us, us putting down roots in Him, is trust and the trust factor um, and how hard it is to build trust and how easy it is to lose trust. And God is wanting to build trust between you and Him. And one of his names, one of his characteristics is God is trustworthy. And you may not know God being trustworthy, but he wants to prove himself trustworthy. He wants to prove himself to be faithful to you. And the only way for true trust to happen is through intimacy and through dependence. You genuinely learning to depend on God. And when you do depend on him, that he's trustworthy, that what he says he does. The, the unfortunate thing is that we've grown up in households that might not be very trustworthy. And so many times we allow those filters to be filtered all the way up to God, and we just assume because our dad wasn't trustworthy or our mom wasn't trustworthy or our stepmom or our adopted parents or our foster parents or whatever weren't trustworthy, then God isn't trustworthy. And God wants to break that tradition in you because he is trustworthy. And the weight of what God, the journey of trust is a two-way street. And as we build roots, as God builds roots in our lives, he also entrusts us with certain assignments and gifts and opportunities and resources. And what's neat about what Carl was saying about how, you, how our uh, uh, veterans have served us, God works through stewardship. That as he begins to give us abilities and gifts that he lets us kind of loose to go walk in those and, and he begins to build trust that he is with us as we begin to serve and as we begin to follow what God has called us to do. But what happens is, is when God calls us to a role, calls us to a thing, and sometimes it's, it, it, I don't want to say it's vague because I don't believe it's vague in God's eyes, but sometimes we get gifted in something and it makes us go out and try stuff. And when we try those things, we wind up with things that make us uncomfortable. We get pressure put on us to produce, to, to do the right thing, to be good at what we're doing. And it leads us into uncomfortable situations. Have you ever felt like the Lord had gifted you or kind of put you in a position and it made you incredibly uncomfortable? I, I'm going to say something funny, and I'm, I hope I don't offend you, Carl, but when I asked you to speak yesterday, he's like, he turned red-faced, and he's like, and I'm like, Carl, you're the biggest personality, the biggest talker I know. He's like, I know, but I just, I just am not comfortable getting up in front of everybody. But that's the gift that God's put in Carl, is to talk. I love to talk to him. He's a great talker. He's a great listener. But God gifts us sometimes, and we, we get asked to do things because of that gift that makes us incredibly uncomfortable. It's pressure. And you did an awesome job, by the way. It couldn't have been done any better than what you did. But I want you to know sometimes we have pressure on us, and there's two different kinds of pressure in this world. Pressure that's from God and pressure that's not. There's two different kinds of pressure. Pressure that's coming from God and pressure that's not coming from God. 
and you can recognize them in which direction they're pushing you. God is always going to be inviting and nudging and challenging you to step into greater faith. And listen to me, into greater rest. Everybody say rest. Rest. I can tell you, in my old age, you may say I'm not that old. Well, in my old age, I don't sleep like I used to. I hate it. One of God's promises is that I have good rest. I woke up this morning at 4.30, couldn't go back to sleep. Y'all may say, oh my gosh, you slept till 4.30? Way to go, that was awesome. No! <laughs> rest. I need godly rest. However, the enemy is trying to push you not into peace and into rest, but into fear. And what I want to call ungodly striving and trying to make things happen in your own timing and through your own wisdom rather than God's. I want you to know that faith is found in rest. Faith is found in rest. And the enemy will do anything to get you to buy into his pressure and to be taken out of rest. Learning to resist pressure that is not from God is key to faithful stewardship. And if we look in Mark chapter 4, it's one of the best pictures of faith and of rest. And it's Jesus sleeping in the bottom of a boat while a storm is going on. I think you know the story, but if you don't, great. I'm going to teach you something new today. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also along with him. Can y'all forward this for me? Liz, can you do that? Can you just click to the next one? And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat in the boat, and it was already, and so that it was already filling. Do you get that? The water, the boat was taken on water, Right? But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Teacher, I love this phrase, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, doesn't that also include Jesus? He's on the same boat, right? So if the people on deck are going to die, Jesus is going to die, right? Do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose, rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, we don't get the details of what the disciples were doing before they woke up Jesus, but seeing that Jesus said that they were fearful, we can guess that it was pretty chaotic on, on deck. And you know what? These are seasoned fishermen. They've been through storms before, right? This isn't their first rodeo. They've been caught in a bunch of storms. But I believe they were panicking, and I believe they were throwing up their best prayers they could ever throw up. God, if you'll just get me through this one, I will never fill in the blank. You've all prayed them before. They were having those kind of moments. But Jesus, on the other hand, was peacefully asleep. And then he woke up, and calmed the storm. And both of these are, are expressions of faith and rest. As followers of Jesus, 
this is what we need to be able to do. We need to be able to sleep during the storm, and we need to be able to calm the storm. Jesus says, these things you will do and more. Speaking on the the miracles that he performed, he said it before he left, he spoke over us, followers of Christ, that we would do the things that he did. I believe that we have authority over the storms in our life, not based on me and not based on my past and not based on anything I've done, but based on what's in me. The spirit of the sovereign God is in me. If you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received the Spirit of God. In doing so, you have been given authority over the storms of your life. They don't have authority over you. However, we can let them have authority. We give authority to the wrong things all the time. And it is due to pressure. It is due to fear. It is due to not relying on God to help us, but relying on ourselves to get us out of it. How many times is God the last one you seek when you're in the middle of a storm? I'm sorry, it's usually what I do. I'm a control freak. I like to have, I like to have my fingers on the button. I'm helping with uh, Beauty, not Beauty and the Beast, the Little Mermaid, and I'm running sound, and I love having my fingers on the button. I have all control. (laughs) But with all that control comes unbelievable pressure. And I mean, I've got every demon in hell yelling at me. I am not kidding. I'm not saying it's people. But if I will seek God first, my storm situation goes differently. Yeah, the storm still comes. Yep, I still have to ride it out. But it's different. If I wait to the last, man, I take a lot of abuse beforehand because I can't handle a storm. I've tried. I continue to try. You would think we would get it. Church, are we followers of Christ? Then let's go into the storm with the Lord. He will lead us and guide us into all truth. He will never leave us or forsake us. He has the authority over the wind and the clouds and the rain and the thunder. Do you know that He has snow stored up in heaven, just waiting? to sprinkle it on the earth. That's my God. He holds the universe in the palm of his hand. Don't you think he can handle my little stuff? What are you facing? Pastor, it's so big. It's, it's not as big as the span of God's hand. Go with the Lord. Speak to your storm. Now I can tell you, if I speak my words to a storm, it's not going to listen to me. It doesn't know my language. But when I speak according to God's word to my storm, that storm surrenders. My house stands. Do you hear me? 
My house stands when I speak according to God's word. Can you imagine the, the disciples when Jesus came up and said, why are you so fearful? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like say to him, dude, didn't you see the storm? I mean, I don't think it could compute in their minds. I think this was foreign to them to speak to a storm. We need to be able to rest in the middle of pressure and then deal with whatever is creating that pressure by standing on the authority of God that He has entrusted to you. I want you to know that this comes with a learning curve with faith and rest, just as it was for the disciples. Our default reaction is to run. But it is allowing the Lord to help us unlearn these ingrained responses. Why do we run in storms? Because we saw our parents run in storms. Why are we fearful when certain things happen? It's because we've been taught it. It's a learned response. Kids don't, kids don't get raised at one and two years old knowing that it's dangerous to play in the street. They learn that. They have learned how to fear. We learn that one. Why would we be afraid of the dark? Because we've learned it. The dark's not scary. But the dark's scary without the Lord. We learn that. Faith. Learning new responses based on faith and rest. And you know what? God's going to teach it to us. Do you know the Bible tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we don't see. If you can see it, it doesn't take faith. It's the things that you can't see. It's really the things that you can't hardly even believe in on your own. Maybe you've struggled to have a child Maybe you've struggled with your health. Maybe you've struggled with job. Maybe you've struggled with your personality. Maybe you've struggled with your own self-confidence. Maybe you've struggled with just being in some very difficult situations and you see no way out. You know, do you know what it's going to take to get you out of it? Faith. It's learning to believe even though you can't see it. It is walking according to that belief even though you can't get your mind to get wrapped around the fact that it can be done. That's that stepping off, stepping off that cliff into the spirit realm and not in the world realm. Because the world's going to tell you, you're going to splat when the Spirit of God tells you, I'm with you. Go ahead and walk. Go ahead and walk. You're facing something today that you feel like you have no hope of coming out of it. I want you to know there is hope. There is hope for you, but that hope only comes through Christ. You may say, Pastor, I don't even have enough faith. I don't even know enough about God to start. That's okay. God meets you right where you are. Right where you are. He is ready to come to your rescue right where you are right now, but you 
have to walk with him. You can't run off and expect him to come along. Nope, you've got to walk with him. We are followers of Christ. Christ is not followers of us. What are you following? Amen, Daryl. What are you following? If you're really following Christ, then you're getting to know his word, you're getting to know his spirit, you're praying and you're listening. And you're walking by faith, even though that way looks wrong. God, I think this way's better, but he's saying, no, you can kind of feel a nudging saying, no, walk this way, uh, but I really feel more comfortable this way. You know what God would say? Okay, then go that way. But my way's this way. Following Christ goes this way. I know it doesn't look perfect. I know it doesn't look right, but I'm not leading you according to the world. I'm leading you according to the Spirit. There's a lot of ways that look right to a man, but they lead to death. What are you following? As we begin to look at how to have faith and rest, I'm going to give you one step today. We've got to put our hope in God's promise to build our house. To fulfill the vision he has put in our hearts. And you know what that vision is? It's to bear fruit. And not only just to bear fruit, but to bear a lot of fruit. And not only just to bear a lot of fruit, but to bear fruit that lasts. Psalm 127, verse 1. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If God's, not, if God's not watching over your household, you can stay up all night with your gun and everything else that you need, all kinds of alarms, and the enemy will still get in. But when the Lord's guarding your house, pardon my French, but ain't nothing coming in. There's nothing big enough. To allow the Lord to build your house. And the implication here is that is not that there is no labor involved for us, but we are not the one to be in the leading position in the building project. God is the architect, He's the financial backer, He's the owner, He's the foreman, He's the building group, and pretty much everything else. Our part is to cooperate with Him as He builds our vision. And there's a rest when you understand that he's building your house. If you think you're building it, you'll end up in fear and striving. And I keep talking about this word striving. Ungodly striving that gets produced in our lives. Striving belongs to what the Bible calls the realm of the flesh. The life of the believer is to function solely in the realm of the spirit, not in the flesh. I'm going to get a little deep on you here for just a second. My eyes talked about me being old. John chapter 1. But as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Can you go to the next one? Colin, can you help me out? 
who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus echoes this again uh, in John chapter 3, where he explains the nature of what it means to be born again. John chapter 3, verse 6 says, The flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Paul confronts the Galatians about how they have succumbed to the pressure of teachers who, in order to be righteous, they've got to observe the Jewish religious laws in addition to putting their faith in Christ. The apostle tells them that they've been trying to add works of the flesh to the works in the Spirit, and he gets in their faces about it. In Galatians 3, chapter 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you are now being made perfect by the flesh? The, uh, the message says it this way in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete their own efforts by what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it? Do you see what happens? We come up and we get saved and we're on fire for God. And then we leave God at the altar and we try to continue to live our life thinking that God is with us. But what's happened is we've all of a sudden come up, given our hearts to Jesus. It's real. You've really done it, but you've taken the lead again. And you've left God in the cart behind. And you get in the middle of a hole and wonder, God, why'd you lead me here? And he's like, hey, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm in the back. I'm not in the lead. Put me in the lead. You won't wind up there. But when you wind up in a hole that doesn't measure up with God's Word, look who's leading. Scripture says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The things that you put your hands to will be blessed. Well, that's not me, Pastor Paul. Okay, who's in the lead? If your life isn't lining up with God's Word, God hasn't missed it. The light bulb has to turn on in your spirit, in your heart, to realize God's not in the lead. You are not following Christ. I'm sorry, that's hard. I'm not sorry. Forgive me for saying that. I'm not sorry. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Get Him out front. The only place you deserve to be is behind him. You don't deserve to be in front of him. No one does. Get out front. I'm sorry. Get God out front. <laughs> How do you do that? Follow him. this talked about living in the flesh or living in the spirit, our every moment is to be in the spirit, which means we must be thinking about Christ. And where is he leading me? And if you don't know, read. If you don't know, ask a godly person. If you don't know, ask. Just out of your own voice, ask God, God, where, where do I need to be going? And get in his word Ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit. What are you waiting for? We expect to come to church and for tomorrow to be perfect. 
First of all, tomorrow's not going to be perfect. We live in a fallen world. Tomorrow's going to have challenges. But if God's not in the lead, tomorrow's going to be tough. Tomorrow already is going to be tough, but if you get God in the lead, you're going to be better. You're going to be cared for. Did you see that? If God builds the house, if God is protecting your house, the enemy can't get in. But is God protecting your house if you just come to church for an hour? No, that's not following Christ. That's going to church. God talks about the religious issues that people have. Remove that. I don't mean remove going to church. No, please go to church. But get God in front. Church, turn your heart. Get in the Word. Get plugged in. Get around godly people. I had a lunch this week with two guys that were just about filling me full of the Spirit of God, of godly wisdom, and of support and encouragement. I'm telling you what, that'll change your direction. I must have people like that in my life. Because on my own, I wind up in hell. On your own, you're going to wind up in hell. That's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is good. Stand up with me and let's pray together. Father God, I just, I just ask you to have mercy on us. just want to acknowledge your power and your presence, your Holy Spirit. I just ask you, Lord, to fill us. You may even question that statement. It says in Ephesians, to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. When you got saved, yes, you do get, a, you do get the Spirit of God. That is what, and when He comes into your heart, it is the Spirit of God that comes in. But we just ask you this morning, Lord, that we just be continuously filled with your spirit, your power, and your presence. God, you sent us a comforter because you knew that things would be uncomfortable in our walk with you. That you stretch us and you lead us and you guide us into areas that we don't feel worthy. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come. You may be here today and you may have never made that first time decision. It says in God's word that if you will just call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You're not here today by chance. It's not coincidence. The Lord has led you here today out of mercy and out of grace. He knew just who you are. He knows just what you've done. And he is ready with his arms open wide to receive you. But you've got a call on him. You've got a call on him. Church, you've been walking a hard road that does not look like peace and rest. Would you put the Lord first? Get him out front. Follow him. Watch what he can do. Look what the Lord has done. 
I want you to know that's that that song that we sang this morning as we're still praying. That song we sang this morning is my testimony. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. You may not have that history. You may not have that. Well, I want you to know today is a new day. As Elizabeth said that word, that word is for you. Listen, church, the Lord says, I have a new thing for you. I am going to make the old new. We are going to let the past be in the past. The Lord is going to forgive you of your sin. He, his future for you is a, is a hope. He has a hope. The plan of God for your life is a hope and a future. And it's a future to prosper you. But God must be out front. Will you put him out front? Lord God, I just pray for a great week. I just plead the blood of Jesus over us today, Lord, that you would just cleanse us, that you would just protect us. Just ask you, Lord, that we would be repentive and ask of forgiveness of our sins as we've collected some dirt this week. Forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, help us to forgive one another and not carry around unforgiveness. But Lord, I ask you to bless us. Let doors open this week that have remained closed. Let jobs come available. Lord, I just pray over finances. I pray over health. I pray against bat negative reports over our health, and I just pray healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I take command and authority over the things that are trying to take us down. And Lord, I just say, peace be still. Thank you, Lord. Let us walk in faith and in rest. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Wednesday night meal this Wednesday, 6 o'clock.